Alrighty folks, you are listening to Talking Shit with Fraser, you bastard. The show about who the fuck knows, but anything goes. Folks, today we have a rare interviewee, and this is in regards to a very rare psychological condition that most people may not have heard of. Folks, today we'll be talking to a person with Dissociative Identity Disorder. Now, for those of you who have not heard of this condition, you might find it's more commonly referred to as having multiple personalities. However, that terminology alone is not expansive enough to cover the complex nature of the condition. Folks, today we will be talking to Mel, who has been diagnosed with Dissociative Identity Disorder, and will be talking to us about her experiences with it today. How you going, Mel? I'm good. Rock and roll. Alright, folks, I love to collect stories, so not only will I be interviewing Mel about her experience with the condition, but I shall also be interviewing her father about his experience of bringing up a daughter with the condition, so that we can get a more complete picture of what it's like to be the person living with this condition within themselves, and what it's like to be viewing this condition from the outside. Now, Mel, obviously this is your story to tell, so I'm going to pass the microphone over to you. I suppose my first question to you is, what was your experience in the lead-up to getting diagnosed with Dissociative Identity Disorder? As in, what were you experiencing that sent you looking for help in regards to your situation? Well, lots of stuff. One of the main problems was I was missing days, weeks, months of my life. They were just not there. In my memory I had no idea. Sometimes I would wake up in places I didn't know how I got there. Jesus. Um, sometimes things would appear in my room and I'd be like, where did that come from? Holy I, shit. I didn't buy that. So that would have been confusing as hell. Yeah, I, I was going through a stage where I was cleaning out my whole entire room, getting rid of all toys and stuff, and it was like a day later that all the toys showed back up. And I was like, "How did this happen? Where did the? How did these come back? I threw them out." Whoa! And so, did you find out how that ended up happening, or you? Yes. Like- um, I have an alter in my head called Neji. She's basically a child, mm-hmm. and she liked the toys a little too much. Kept bringing them back. Right. So, how often would you say you switch between sort of like? Oh, actually, I'm going to go back one step further. Actually. How many different identities do you have? Twenty. Twenty? Do you have names for all of them? Yes. Oh my god, can you list them? Uh, let's see, we have... Anatar, he was one of the first ones to actually show up. Mm-hmm. He looks after me in dangerous situations. Mm-hmm. We have Styx, Max, Libra, Belle, Yen. Cirilla, G, he doesn't like to go by anything else okay. at the moment. Yep, fair enough. He's in a mood. <laughs> um, we have Dauf, we have Kel, we have Talion, uh, got me, mm-hmm. um, Corpse. Corpse? Yes. As in dead corpse? Yes. Okay, I'm going to ask questions about that one later. <laughs> <laughs> He's um he's a hell of a character. <laughs> right. Um, so we've got Corpse Melacor, uh, Athanasia. She goes by Athy, nickname. Right. Zar, uh, Eridan. Mm-hmm. I don't know who else. <laughs> no, that's, that's a pretty I, comprehensive list. It's a <laughs> I think I've missed one, but I don't know who. <laughs> and how often will you switch between these identities? Um, maybe once a day. Yeah. At most. Like. Once a day, as in one character a day, or each of them once a day? 
Uh, just one of them a day, usually. Sometimes you can get two. So just say I was out in the morning and then Neji wanted to come out and play computer games. Then she would switch in. But Neji doesn't like sleeping because dark room. Scary for yeah. kids. Gotcha. So then someone else would swap out and go to bed. Or if Neji got bored of playing a game, then someone else would pop in and play a game. Right. So, look, do you actually have, like, for yourself, do you get a sort of lead-up as to when someone's going to switch in, or does it just come by surprise? Um, it sometimes depends on the situation. So, if it's a planned swap-over, then we know when it's going to happen. Mm-hmm. We can sort of control it in a way. Oh. If it's because of something bad, like a bad situation is going on, mm-hmm. then it's, like, sudden. Right. But then you've also got happy sort of triggers which if you don't want to be here you can sort of use them and just pull whoever forward right which is not something you should do but if need be you can do rock and roll and then you've got the dissociative episodes where my brain will just go elsewhere i'll be pulled back and whoever will be spat forward we don't know who, we don't know when, we don't know what. <laughs> so it can just be a luck of the draw some days, roll the dice, spin the wheel. Yeah, pull a hat, ticket out of a hat, that's who. <laughs> <laughs> so it's, yeah, it's sort of lucky draw for right. dissociative episodes. <laughs> so a couple of things I'm curious about. How does it affect friendships? Um, It does, but it doesn't really. So... My friends grew up with me being Mel, but at the same time, Anata was also Mel, and at the same time, Sticks was Mel. Us three were around when I was going through high school from basically year seven to year 12. So we we were going through day by day, it would be whoever was out, that's who was out. I know that Anatar wasn't really a social person, he would go hide in the library. But my friends saw that as completely normal and didn't really question it. After I did find out about what was actually going on, I did actually message a couple of my friends and be like, did you ever notice in high school that my personality would just like swap? (laughs) And they were like, yeah, it actually happened quite often. And I was like, you didn't think to inform me of this. generally find that most people when their personality swaps they're pretty aware of it they might have just assumed that you were i don't know nope i had no clue and sometimes they would talk about stuff and be like oh yeah you remember when this happened i'm like no complete blank don't remember that at all (laughs) right so when you swap out to an identity this can be part of the disassociation as in you might be conscious of it as mel but you're sort of like other times just not be conscious of it at all so there are, there are different stages of being out. Mm-hmm. So right now I have corpse, sticks, and Neji sort of hanging around. Right. They can hear what's going on, mm-hmm. but that's it. That's they're, it. Not, they're not able to see what's going on. Right. But as Mel, I'm out right now. I have control of the body. I have control of my speech. I have everything. Mm-hmm. But if one of them got closer then they could possibly have the chance to control something. So 
a while ago, um, I was, what was I doing? I was cooking dinner, for example. And I was going to go do something and someone else had come forward just enough that they were able to control my hand. And they made me drop the knife. Okay. And it was just something simple, but it sometimes can be dangerous, but sometimes not. Gotcha. Yeah. That can be a bit scary. Also, the, the second question that I did want to ask, obviously, you are employed, you have a job. Yes. Um, does it affect your work life at all? Yes. Uh, actually, I couldn't... Well, it's not so much couldn't, it's just I wouldn't work for a while. Because to be at a job, you have to be able to stay as yourself. Mm-hmm. You have to be able to stay there, you have to be able to go through and do basically everything that they need you to do in the day. Mm-hmm. But my brain was constantly going from me to someone else, someone else to someone else, a lot. Yeah. Because after I found out about it, I was stressed out a lot. Mm-hmm. And my anxiety is one of my main triggers to pull someone else forward. Gotcha. And I had social anxiety, so... Yep. Yeah. It didn't really help. <laughs> yeah. But um, at the job that I'm at now, it has helped a lot because I will go to work two days a week and then Anatar and Styx will go the other days. Right. They have more of a control of a hold when they're out the front than what I do. Right. So if I go and someone yells at me, it can cause Anatar to come through. Or if I go and, I don't know, someone just randomly comes up and, like, taps my shoulder or tries and hugs me and it's just sort of like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Anxiety to the max. Gotcha. So, yeah, it it did originally affect working, Mm -hmm. but not so much now. Um, The only times that is really bad is when I have a dissociative episode or I'm just not feeling 100% because my brain won't stay in one place. Gotcha. So, they're, they're the only times that it really affects work at the moment. And so I'm going to assume that work is fully aware of what's going on? Yes. I, I thought that it would be best to inform them mm-hmm. about what was going on. I don't... It's not like you have an actual obligation to inform them. No. But I thought it would be best because if I need a day off, I need a day off. Yeah. So. And so they're pretty supportive about the whole affair? Yeah. Uh, a couple of my people that I'm on shift with, um, they they know about it. And one of the girls, she actually will ask me when I'm there. She's like, who am I talking to today? Yep. So it's actually nice when they do that because then you're sort of like, well, it's this person. So thank you for asking because when there's no one around, they sort of just call you by that name instead of... No. <laughs> yeah, no, that sounds awesome. So they're pretty supportive all up, obviously. Um, have you had any times at work where it has sent you into a spiral that sent you into another state that you couldn't pull yourself out of? Um, I've had maybe one or two times where I've been at work and my brain has sort of gone off and I'm just like, well, I need to stay in the moment, but I'm unable to. Yeah. So then I'll have to trigger out Anatar because he... It's his job to be able to protect me in situations like that. Mm-hmm. That's what he does. That's his role. Mm-hmm. So he, as I said before, is able to hold on better. He can withstand the dissociation a bit more than what I can. Gotcha. And so, do you find that you're able to switch between them at like 
at will if you want to? Like you could switch into one and switch out within two minutes, or is it a process? Um, sometimes. D it depends on my relationship with who I'm swapping with. Mm -hmm. So Anatar, me and him can swap practically instantly. It's basically I just sort of get him to come forward and then we step in, he'll step in and I'll step out. Mm -hmm. But if I'm trying to swap in with, per se, Max or Zar, it's a longer process because we're not best friends. Right, so you actually have an internal conflict with your own personalities. Yes. Oh my god, that would be a hell of an experience. Uh, we had sticks. She used to be what they classify as a persecutor. Okay. So she was a bad altar. Right. She would try and harm me. She would try and harm everyone else. She went through a stage where she was pushing people over and biting people. Whoa. So we sort of had to keep her locked on the key for a while. Yeah. But um, she's no longer that bad. She does bite people. She doesn't like them. But that's very rare. Gotcha. Um, but yeah, she she absolutely despised me. She hated Anatar. Mm -hmm. And if I needed to swap out with her, it would never happen. Right. It was just impossible because our communication was non-existent. Gotcha. So I would have to, if I wanted her out, I would have to talk to Anatar, who would then talk to Zar, and then Zar would talk to her. Right, so you could have be in a situation where someone has the, the forefront and you're sort of communicating with other people in the back trying to sort of wrestle control, like working group. Yeah. We have Jace, who... That's the one who I forgot to mention. Right. Jace. What's Jace? Jace, Jace is... Well, he's basically what you call the gatekeeper. So if I need to swap out and no one's around at all he'll just sort of like instantly know because he's always around okay so he'll instantly know and he'll be like all right well i'll yeet this person in there for you right. he he i don't know how he does it but he has like the ability to like pull people from wherever the hell they are forward it's crazy <laughs> <laughs> nice all right so like okay i'm gonna try and think of some other questions now. <laughs> Like this is cool because like I was like I, I'm half tempted at one side to sort of be like can you pull one forward but I'm not sure whether that's because I don't know enough about the condition right I don't know if that's a safe thing to do or not. It it's it's fine as long as they're okay with it. Yeah no no that makes total sense. But um, uh, probably closest to the front right now would be Neji here. Neji. Uh yeah, Neji is seven years old. Wow, so the inner child so to speak. Yes. Um, basically, as a kid, if you don't get to experience enough of your childhood life because you're forced to grow up too much, it can sometimes cause an inner child, mm -hmm. or usually it just, you always have an inner child somewhere in there. <laughs> yeah, no, fair enough. So you first discovered that this was happening sort of in high school, didn't happen in primary school time, or um, just you only discovered it during that time? Well, uh, according to what I have found out from others up there. Mm -hmm. um, Anatar has been around since I was four years old. Wow. So he he actually was the first one who was found out and he's actually the one who told me about it. Okay. He was very close to my mom 
and my mum was close to him and my mum was also close to me but she never told me about it because she thought that it conflict with the thing um, in between each altar is an amnesic barrier wall whatever and if you tell something to me Anatar who is not around won't know because of the amnesia that's there. Gotcha. That's fucking fascinating. The, yeah. Anatar was the one who actually told me about it. In 2015, when I was having a terrible of a year, I had friends who committed suicide at the start of the year, and then I lost my mom later in the year. I went missing for that year. Jeez. I did not want to be around, so I sort of hid inside myself. So that forced Anatar to be around. Yeah. He had to take over. He had to be me right. for a year. That's, and so you just have a complete gap of a whole year in your life. Yeah. You were certainly you were able to talk to Anatar, converse in the head sort of thing. Yes. Uh, you were able to sort of like talk to Anatar and say, look, what happened over that year? Or was that just a no thing? I, I have asked him about that year and he has told me the not bad parts. Right. Because if it's not sort of like a bad thing if he just tells me something bad happened that year, like, I know, I got hit by a car or something. Mm. If he had told me that, it probably would have triggered my memory to actually come back. Mm -hmm. Or it could just be like, denial, I don't want to know, I don't want this. Gotcha. So he can tell me, but he just chooses to keep me safe. <laughs> and Anatar's the protector, if I'm correct. Yes. Yeah, no, that makes total sense. He's number one protector in my head. You've got him, he's main protector, then you got Styx, who's emotional protection. You have Corpse, who, he's not really anyone else's protector, but Neji's, because he is her big brother. Gotcha. So, if anything happens to Neji, big brother steps in. Right. It's just how it is. That makes sense, yeah. So yeah, it's, um, the name Corpse fascinates oh. me. Also, like, uh, did, have they told you how they came out with the name Corpse? Or? Um, everyone chooses their own names. Right. So, I don't know why he chose the name Corpse, but I'm pretty sure it has to do with how he is. He doesn't sleep, he doesn't eat, he doesn't need to do anything that living people do. So, he basically considers himself a corpse. Makes sense to me. So, I'm, I'm assuming that's where he got the name from. Mm -hmm. I haven't exactly asked. <laughs> Fair enough, too. Alright, so obviously, I just did a bit of a you know look online before I did this uh, interview. Obviously, I don't usually like to do the research first because I actually like to hear it firsthand from other people. Now, of course, I, I did notice that it can be caused by traumatic events, which you've already covered. Um, but it could also be born with it, and as you were saying, at age four, um, who was it? your mother was uh, uh, your mother was also a friend with that you were saying just then. Um, my mum was a friend with Anatar. Anatar, okay. So, did mum sort of see that at the time as sort of like just an imaginary friend, or? Yes, uh, Anatar was originally sort of an imaginary friend. Mm -hmm. It was a bit weird because. As a child, I was sort of like, oh, I've got a great friend, his name's Anatar, he tells me all the time about this and that, and, you know, typical four-year-old kid talking to a mum about an imaginary friend. Mm -hmm. 
And then when mum actually met said imaginary friend, she was a bit like, okay, this is not normal. <laughs> yeah, that could have come as a bit of a shock to the system. Yeah. Um, I don't know if she ever actually took me to any doctors or anything to get a looked at. You never know. It's sort of, um, the older generation sort of still really didn't know much about the whole sort of mental health stigma. Yeah. It was hard enough to actually go to a doctor and say, look, this is what's happening with me. What is the problem? What is this? And then to go, oh yeah, you have dissociative identity disorder. At first it was like, you could have schizophrenia. And I'm like, I don't see people. None of them are telling me to do bad things. I, I don't think that it's schizophrenia. I've met people with schizophrenia and they're just like, no, you're completely different. Yeah, totally different kettle of fish. And then it's like, oh, you could be bipolar, you could have borderline personality disorder. Borderline personality disorder is where they actually started to get to the fact that it was dissociative identity disorder. There you go. She, it was, what was it? It was maybe around the time when they actually said, well, you may have borderline personality disorder, that Anatar just popped forward and said, you are full of duck crap. <laughs> it's like, no, this is not what's going on. And the lady was like, what? what the hell it was like personality just completely switched and she was like all right and went home did some more research and came back the next session was sort of like well this is a possibility but i'm not 100 percent on it because i'm not specified specialized in this according to her they only did like one or two classes on it when they were teaching because no one really cares or knows about it yeah, it is. It's a very rare one. I sort of, um, I first got into it. One of the when I first started this podcast, one of the second people I was going to interview, she had it, but um, she ended up pulling out for very, very valid reasons. And then I sort of, I, I didn't hear about it again for years until my housemate showed me a video of a lady live stream, and she switched a lot of personalities. And I was like, that's absolutely fascinating. I, and I never thought I'd be able to like actually get an interview with someone. So thank you so much. Very much appreciated. Um, I, I've got a query. Like, from the time you started seeking help to the time you finally got diagnosed how long was the journey um 2016 to like 2020 right so a good four years yeah that is one hell of a long run fun oh yeah and so lots of disorders diagnosed during that so yeah just more to the pile (laughs) (laughs) it's like this that 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 as well uh don't forget this one yeah So look, as far as I know, there's actually sort of no medication you can take to treat the symptoms, is that correct? No, there's no medication. It's not like anxiety or depression. You can't put a pill and go, alright, well this will fix up this Mm -hmm. to help with the anxiety or to help with the depression. You do get other medication to go along with everything else because you have PTSD, you have depression, you have anxiety, who knows what else you've got. Yeah. yeah. Some people have um, other physical problems that go with it. Such as? Um, a girl that does YouTube videos that I watch, she has dissociative identity disorder as well, but she also has to go with it some chronic pain and Apparently, it's actually caused by the trauma that she received when she was little. Right. It's what caused her to have dissociative identity disorder, and that's the reason why she has this chronic pain. Makes sense. It's just crazy. Well, it's just a world of hell, really, isn't it? Yeah. 
So how do you function now in like modern life now that you know and are able to sort of like uh, basically figure out the symptoms as they go, like now that you've actually been through the system and that you've sort of like got an understanding of it, is life a little easier to deal with in dealing with the condition or is it still just a hell ride? Um, it's nowhere near as bad as it was before. I before was depressed, I was feeling lonely, I felt like everything was out to get me and I hated everyone and I just didn't want to be around. And that was when Anatar actually did pop up and go, look, I'm here, I'm here for you, I'm here for everyone, don't do this, you don't need to do anything bad. And I was like, okay, who are you? And basically he went on to explain, (laughs) he went on to explain everything to me and how what he knows about what's going on and all this kind of stuff and now that we have an actual clue on what's going on and we know that the symptoms that come with it it's easier to manage because when i first dissociated because of like had a first dissociative episode it was freaky as hell because it's like you're not in your own body you're over there watching everything it was crazy and I didn't appreciate it at all. Right, so you're not even seeing through your own eyes. Are, are, nope. Are you like looking at yourself from another quarter of a room or are you just sort of sat back? How, how would you describe it if you can? Kind of like you're a ghost. Kind of like you're a ghost. Okay. Floating around, just minding your own business. You don't know what's going on. <laughs> right. It's scary. I can imagine. But now that we sort of know what's going on, it's not as scary when that sort of thing happens mm-hmm. but there's also ways to combat it uh, such as um grounding mm-hmm. so um i have perfume mm-hmm. that i will if i feel like i'm going to start dissociating i sometimes will put the perfume on my fingers and just sit there and sniff it <laughs> and rub your fingers at the same time yeah, yeah. rub my fingers sniff it fidget toys little things fiddle with anything you can anything to keep yourself here um you can sometimes just let it go don't worry about it as long as you know that you're in a safe place it's okay to dissociate so if i'm in my house it's fine i don't really care but if i'm out and about with friends or if i'm out and about at work i need to stay in the here and now i don't really want to dissociate that's fair. So I have, I once did actually dissociate when I was out with some friends at lunch and Neji ended up taking over Ooh. and um, child in a shot with a credit card is not. <laughs> oh, that sounds like a very expensive day. <laughs> yes, it was. Right. But um, at least the next time that it happened, my friend managed to convince Neji to only buy the $2 toy. Mm-hmm. So... I was, I was very impressed with her convincing skills. Yeah, that's that's actually a marvellous friend. So shout out to that friend, whoever you are. So how would you say it's affected your home life and family and all that sort of thing? When I first was coming to find out about it, I didn't tell anyone. Yep. I only told my sister in 2020. Right. So that's, uh, for those listening right now, that is two short years ago. Actually, no, probably about one and a half, maybe. Yeah. Oh, no, it's too short. Two. Right. That's uh, folks at home. I'm terrible at maths. <laughs> <laughs> and so, what did, what was her first reaction? 
she actually first told me I was a freak. Oh, she's pretty blunt like that. Yeah, and that actually really hurt my feelings when she told me that. (laughs) Yep, can imagine. She's like, you're a freak, and I was like, oh, thanks. Didn't really talk to her much for about two weeks. And then she came up and she was like, so explain it to me. And I was like, alright. And over the last two years, she's kind of got to know everyone. She's fine with them all. Yeah. Neji's practically her best friend. Because <laughs> she's a couple of years younger, obviously, so. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, yeah, she's not bad with it. She's quite good. She can't exactly go, oh, yeah, this is who's out, unless it's Neji, me, or sometimes sticks. She can sometimes point out certain people, but apart from that, she usually just uses a collective nickname. Oh, fair enough. And so, like, when the other personalities come out, you don't have any change of accent, any change of voice. Like, it's, uh... Depends. Depends on the person, Yes. Neji will resort to a a small child sort of tone, Mm -hmm. and her personality is skip around the house, loud as you possibly can. Right. While... Okay. Um... She came into my... She fronted when I was at work, and I don't know how she got the word actually right, but one of the drinks that we have in the fridge is called kombucha. Yep. And she was skipping around the whole entire shop while carrying boxes, singing kombucha. She was just skipping around. Kombucha, 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 kombucha. And I was like... (laughs) Yeah, the person who was on till was like, are you okay? (laughs) Sounds to me like that she was having a great time. (laughs) She, She makes everything a great time for herself. Nice. Yeah. Not so much for you? No. (laughs) (laughs) I come back and then everyone's sort of like, so what happened here? (laughs) And you're like, I can't explain it to you. I don't know. (laughs) But yeah, Neji Neji has a very distinct personality and tone of voice. Zah will resort to a very... My friend called it a very Aussie accent. She just, her tone is very different to how I talk. And she talks really fast. And talks a lot. Gotcha. Whereas I personally am a very quiet, social, antisocial person. Very much so quiet as a mouse, yes. Yes. (laughs) Um, Apart from that, I know Corpse likes to deepen the voice, but mm, that's about it. No one, oh, Libra doesn't like to talk. She's kind of considers herself a mute. Right. So she knows sign language. Okay. And will talk that way. Right. And do you actually know any types of sign language? Uh, I know, thank you, but that's it. That's about it. So <laughs> um, does she talk in a way that she thinks she actually knows the sign language or just in a way that she's trying to use signs to communicate without speaking? No, she actually knows sign language. Okay. I don't uh, know where she learnt it from. <laughs> right. It's there. It's there. So has Libra actually tried communicating with a hearing impaired person using sign language? Yes, she has. At um, my work. Did they get confused or did she actually pull it off beautifully? Pulled it off beautifully. Holy shit. <laughs> that is phenomenal. Yeah, she, uh, they came up to the counter and because I work at a you have to come up to the counter, pay for your fuel, buy something like chocolates whatever you want to buy. He came up to the counter and he placed his food down that he wanted to get. And so she signed to him, does he have any fuel? And he looked at her like completely shocked that she was actually talking in sign language and he could understand. And he signed back, no fuel. And she was like, all right, 
just rings him up and off he went. Wow, that is phenomenal. Yes, it was funny because the other person until after Libra popped back, he was sort of like, did you know sign language? <laughs> and I'm like, no, I don't know sign language. Holy shit, that is phenomenal. Well, that's, that's disassociative as hell, I must say. Yeah, <laughs> wow. crazy. That is crazy. Wow. All right, so obviously now we've um, we've covered work and, of course, we've covered family life. Now, the next question, if you don't mind me asking a personal one, is how does it affect the love life? Um, I was actually in a relationship with someone a little while ago, mm-hmm. and he was, like, practically best friends with everyone else, but only liked me. Right. So... I don't know how that works, considering everyone is technically part of me. Mm-hmm. But yes, he um, he only had romantic feelings towards me, Mel, but was best friends with Neji, gotcha. good friends with Styx. And it's not, it doesn't affect it in a bad way. Mm-hmm. We were chatting every day. I would message him and say, hey, how you going? And he'd be like, chat back. And then maybe I would switch out with someone else and they would say, hey. And he'd be like, oh, hey. <laughs> And um, he's actually getting better at it, but he's able to tell who's who by typing. Right. Because everyone else apparently types different to me. Yeah, fair enough. But um, that that's only one of the good relationships. Right, that so I've you've been had through. a string of uh, not-so-good ones then? We had a relationship with someone else who actually had the disorder. Oh, wow, that would have been hectic. So, Styx was in a relationship with someone, mm. and... I was in a relationship with someone, and Anatol was in a relationship with someone. So, I kind of think that that could go one of two ways. Either it could have, like, really worked really well, or just got absolute hellfire. It went hellfire. Right. <laughs> and it wasn't because of simple reasons like, oh, I can't talk to the person I like the most. It was more the fact of the person who Sticks was dating ended up getting abusive. Oh. And it didn't end well. <laughs> uh, I won't ask any more questions about that one. And now, so obviously, uh, the whole thing with disassociation, obviously, as a medical sort of uh, condition now, you're not able to drive, are you? Because of how my how bad my dissociation is at the moment, mm. I'm legally not allowed to drive. Right. And so do they have hope for that in the future? Do they, Or is that just going to be a lifetime of not, not being able to drive? I should be able to drive later on, mm-hmm. as long as I can get a handle on everything a little more. Gotcha. So I've been on... I had a motorbike license for a little while, mm-hmm. and I was going somewhere one day, and I started to associate while driving. Ooh. And... That dissociation was freeze, don't move. Oh no. So it, it wasn't good. I fell off the bike. Mm-hmm. It, it wasn't too bad because no one else was on the road. Right. And it was just the bike stopped and I fell over. Oh dear. But it could have gone worse. What? Horrendously worse, yeah. Yes. So after that happened, I sort of told my doctor about it and she was like, yeah, I don't, I don't think you should be allowed to drive. So does that uh, just, is that only motorised vehicles? Do you still run a bicycle or is that still a risk? Um, I can ride a bicycle. That's not too bad because you're on the side of the road. Mm. You're usually on the footpath. Yeah, fair enough. And if you're 
start to dissociate, I can easily just stop in the middle of the footpath and stand there. Yeah, fair enough. Too. Whereas if I'm in the middle of the road, it, it's not just easy stop. It's you have to pull over. Yeah, you have to get to a safe point. Yeah. Yeah, hell right. So. Do they have an idea of how long it could take before you use it, or is there just not enough known about the situation? Uh, there's not enough known about the situation and my triggers mm-hmm. on what causes me to dissociate yet, so we don't have a rough estimate, but I'm sure one day it'll get better. I'll yeah. be able to drive again. Yeah, for sure, given enough time. Alright, so just as a bit of a uh, sort of side one for those folks at home, I've actually been uh, staying here at Mel's house at the invite of her father, and uh, yeah, I've been here for a couple of days, so of course the one thing I did want to ask you, Mel, is have I actually met a few of these personalities since I've been here? You have met, I would say, one. Just the one? Not including me. (laughs) Not including you, so which one would would you say I've met? Sticks. Sticks, and what was Sticks up to when I met them? Uh, she woke up this morning and she came over to the house and she did actually go up to Sarah and go, he's the guy with the kilt. (laughs) I think I heard that actually. I was like about walking into that room, wasn't I? Yeah. So I I thought that was, um... (laughs) She was, she was a bit confused because I, I... I didn't inform her. Right, see, I, I could have sworn that was uh, hey, father's partner, rather. <laughs> I, I don't really function in the morning when I wake up. <laughs> yeah, she she was sort of confused on who you were, and Sarah explained to her. Mm. And she was like, oh, cool. <laughs> <laughs> so it was all good in the end. I didn't get bitten, folks. Like, I'd like to inform you of that. <laughs> but that was someone else that does a body, was it? Yeah, that... that Sticks does the biting. Ah, uh, there you go. So. Folks, I'm bite mark free. It's okay. That's awesome. All right. Well, I reckon I'm going to wrap it up there. So thank you so much, Mel, for joining us. Very much appreciated. Obviously, uh, not an easy subject for you to talk about, I assume. No. <laughs> no. Um, so, yeah, look, thanks heaps for that. Very much appreciated. And uh, we're going to sign it off there. So, folks, you have now learned a little bit about disassociative identity disorder. Obviously, this is one isolated situation, folks. There is everyone will have their own experiences. Um, this is obviously just a, a little bit of information for the community out there. So, give people a bit of a better idea. Now, obviously, each person has their own thing. Each each person's different. Each person has different experience, different ways. So, this is only one person's story. There are a lot of different ones out there. So, if you know somebody in your life that has disassociative disorder, feel free to look up any information you can find that may be sort of helpful towards yours and their relationship. Alrighty, folks, you have been listening to Talking Shit with Fraser, you bastard. Now, folks, if you have enjoyed what you've listened to, click the like, click the subscribe, click the share. And, of course, if you'd uh, like to check out any more episodes, I might have actually done socials by then. But I still haven't, but we'll see by the uh, future. We'll see how that goes. And uh, thank you once again, Mel. No problem. All right, cheers.